0: blue collar people are some of the grittiest, toughest, bravest human beings on the planet. Every building, bridge, and road was built on the backs of their hard work. Every piece of raw material was mined by their callous hands. They manufacture our goods and transport them around the world. We see that strong outer shell, but there's more to every person than meets the eye. In this podcast, blue-collar business leaders tell their stories of courage and victory over crushing defeats. That's only possible because of a mental and emotional fortitude and a willingness to ask for help. It's our mission to bring hope to those of us who are strong on the outside, but may be living a life of quiet desperation on the inside. We'll do that by working together to tell the truth about the challenges we face and what it really takes to break through them. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Tragedy to Triumph podcast. I am your host, Mick Carbo, and I am here with an amazing guest today, Terry Vanover. Terry, you want to say hello?
1: Hi, Mick. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for being here. So, so Terry, before we get started and jump into your story, would you mind taking a moment and just let us know a little bit about yourself, uh, whatever you would like us to know personally or professionally or... Uh, anything, just so we can get to know you for a bit here.
1: Yeah, well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on as a guest today. I am a divorce strategist. So to to begin with, um, you know, you'll hear my accent, it'll come out if it hasn't already. <laughs> I grew up just a poor country girl from Virginia. And um, I, you know, grew up very in the rural mountains of Virginia, my mom was a single mom with two little girls divorced herself, but she had very little money, very little education herself. So grew up in a, you know, very um, poverty stricken childhood in a, in a trailer out in the the woods. And I was sexually abused when I was seven years old by a family member. And um, my father, my biological father was, I I guess you'd call them today, like a functioning alcoholic. And he pretty much abandoned us right after the divorce. I can count on one hand, probably the number of times that I've seen him. And the few times that I did see him were pretty negative. And, um, I don't want to say abusive, but not something that you say saying things to children that maybe you shouldn't say. Sure. And so I felt really abandoned. Um, I grew up with a lot of like shame and a sense of unworthiness, low self-esteem, and really just just that I was not good enough. And it really manifested particularly in my marriage. You know, as these things do in our intimate personal relationships, all this this low, self-esteem, you know, I was very insecure. I was a very controlling wife. I admit that, Uh, very needy, never could get enough love and, um, you know, sabotaged my own marriage actually through the abandonment. Um, Children of abandonment tend to either sabotage or cling very tightly to relationships. And so I ended up pushing my, my husband away. And within a few short years of marriage, I found myself going through a divorce. And it was a horrendous divorce. Um, Two and a half years, two attorneys, two failed mediations, and it just dragged on, dragged on. And also within a few short months, I lost my mom, was homeless, lost all my financial stability. And on top of it all, I was hit by a van while riding my bike and suffered all kinds of subsequent like health issues from that you know, at the time I was like a single mom and didn't have a home. It was just chaos. I mean, it was totally the darkest time of my life. And I came through that, though. And there was one moment in particular, at Mick, where we have that you know come to Jesus moment where you just know like something's got to give, something's gotta change. Sure. And for me, You know, I was lonely both during the marriage and during this divorce. And I said, I've got to do something here. This is this is about me, you know. And it was when I consciously surrendered to that loneliness and recognized, I just really don't love myself. It was I really realized I felt really unworthy. I felt unlovable. and So I started to learn how to love myself. I gathered the tools. I became a coach. I went from being a teacher to becoming a coach and gathering all the tools and strategies that I needed to heal from not only, you know, a devastating divorce, but a, you know, unhappy childhood. And now I am remarried to a fantastic, generous, loving New York Italian. <laughs> so people really make fun of the two of us—his his his New York accent and my Southern accent. People just—and I live in Chicago, so people are like, "Where the hell are you two from?" Yeah. And uh, we expanded our family. We have five children between us. And I'm, you know, blessed that my ex-husband and I put up put a put apart all that animosity, all that, you know, contentiousness from the divorce and we're friends. He was just here picking up the kids and his wife is my best friend and the four of us, you know, I know it's an unusual relationship, but I will tell you, Mick, I think it's, it's more possible than people imagine. If, If you're able to work on yourself and you work through these issues and you can let go of some of the filters of how you see the world and see other people. It is more possible than than I think most people realize to have a really great relationship and, and we, we co-parent as a team for our kids. We're there for our kids. So that's what I'm most proud of. Yeah. But I also get to teach people the tools that I've learned from going through what I went through and, and get to help people get through divorce, come through divorce without being financially, emotionally, and, and legally devastated the way the way it left me and then heal from, from, you know, a difficult divorce, difficult, toxic relationships, those types of things. So thanks for having me. That's my story. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> awesome.
0: Thank you so much for sharing all that. It's uh, it takes a tremendous amount of courage to be willing to, you know, get on a podcast and social media and, and talk about yourself in this way. And And it's really clear to me that you do it in service of your own healing but more so than that, you do it in service of making a difference for other people. and that's really what's so magical and amazing about this to me. So thank you. I really appreciate that. And yeah, know, and, and
1: and you know you're only as sick as your secrets. so I, I don't I've let go of all that shame and all that stuff and owned it. And I hope that by sharing my story, someone else can can understand that we can heal from it. you know, <laughs> and, and part of it is, taking accountability and then growing from it.
0: Yeah, 100% and you know I think there's a lot of people out there listening to this podcast right now and and a lot of people out there in the world in general who don't actually believe that it's possible. You know, they're stuck in a situation that is as horrible as yours was and and they they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. They have no idea what to do about it. And, you know, so if, if you're okay with it, I'd love to kind of backtrack a little bit and kind of walk through what happened and and what I heard you just share just now. And, and maybe we can shed some light on some of those things for people. Would that be okay with you?
1: Yeah, I I, I I love that. You're right, because so many people come to me and like one of the words that they use is hopeless. Yeah, yeah. Like, It's not hopeless. Like there is hope at the end of the rainbow. Here we are, you know, you know, I'm a shining example of like you can go through devastating circumstances and you can come back. It's it's so true.
0: You totally are for sure. Yeah. So, uh-huh. so let's go all the way back. You, you mentioned some uh, sexual abuse when you were young and, and it seemed like you grew up in, with some dysfunction in your family and around some alcoholism and, and parents and stuff like that. So what what was that like for you?
1: The the ironic thing is like I don't remember a lot of stuff. I think my sister tends to remember a lot of the the, the dysfunctionality. I, I don't so and I think that and that's typical of children that go through a lot of childhood trauma. They just yeah. they tend to not have really great memories. <laughs> like um, I don't remember, but I but when uh, meditation is a big part of my life and just and then, you know meditation feels like a real weighty word just getting still with yourself, just sitting down and reflecting. And oftentimes when I'm just in that space of just being still and allowing feelings to come up, allowing memories to come up, it's it's always amazing how much of our present feelings, our present emotions really go back to those dark times or something that we suffered as a child. And, And if you recognize that and ask yourself, what is it that I'm needing? for me i kind of have a pattern of needing safety and the grown up terry will often tell that wounded needy little terry like it's okay you know you're safe it's okay and i find that with with my clients too we look at their patterns where they they talk about how their childhoods are often filtering how they're feeling even today in their, their present circumstance or their present relationship. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and Peter Krohn says this a lot, Mick, that, you know, life presents you with people and circumstances that are, that will show you where you still need to heal. Sure. So sure. whenever I'm triggered or I, you know, something comes up for me, I look at it as an opportunity for growth or a challenge, or a setback. So we can look at these things that we're experiencing as a way to grow, as to become better, you know, a, a more at peace. When I say better, I almost feel like it's like, just feel more at peace with whatever's going on around
0: us. I love that, Terry. yeah, thanks for saying that. So, So when you're doing these meditations, do you remember things that happened back then? Or is it, is it more of like a sensation or a feeling that you're getting present to
1: sometimes it's, it's a specific time or an event. Sometimes it's more of just a feeling of that feeling of like, Ooh, I don't feel safe. I don't feel secure. Um, and I, and I find, you know, it doesn't have to be a specific event. Um, I'll give you an example. I had a challenging time um, and a lot of my clients have gone through betrayal and betrayal trauma. Like, you know, they have an ex that, you know, cheats on them and that is devastating to go through. And I had a family member do that. I didn't have, you know, experienced that with a partner, but I had that with a family member. And I tell you, Meg, I carried around a lot of anger for a long time. <laughs> It was like, you know, and this wasn't even like a partner, but this was someone close in my family who had, you know, stolen and cheated and lied and stuff. And so I felt really angry, angry for me, angry for my kids, angry for my husband. And I do a lot of um, unburdening work or forgiveness work in, in what I do. And I recognize that anger that I'm holding on to just hurting me. That's hurting my kids. It was one day I was, I was in the kitchen and you could tell, you could tell I was thinking about it. Cause you know, my kids had, had mentioned this person's name and they looked over at me to see what mommy's reaction was going to be. Mm. And I knew right then and there, I was like, Oh, it's time to let this go. It's time to do the forgiveness work and let this go because the thing about when we hold on to toxic emotions, Mick, you know, we're we're not only keeping that person engaged and keeping them close to us when we really don't want that, you know, because like I said, all I was thinking about, and it was making me angry and blah, blah, blah. But we're energetically pushing the people that we love away. We're creating an energetic space because my kids were, you know, they knew like, ooh, that might make mommy mad. Let's not... And I didn't want that. I want to be as close to my children as possible. And so, what I did, I just, before I did the specific forgiveness exercise that I do on this kind of stuff, I, I just sat down with myself and just got still with the feelings of what's going on. Like, why am I so angry? And I know for a lot of men, right, anger is just a surface emotion. Yeah. And it's important for men to get beyond that and go deeper because it's really, It's pain, but then I would invite you to still go deeper. So what I do is I sit and I just expanded out this anger, like cover that universe with anger. And what I recognized was there was some hurt. And I was like, okay, I recognized that hurt because I had really loved this person and had given a lot of myself to this person. So it was normal that I felt hurt and, and maybe I cared for this person more than I even recognized and and beneath that, this was like an aha moment for me. Beneath that was like a sense of powerlessness. Mm. And I was like, whoa, whoa, powerlessness. That's that's powerful to kind of recognize that. And I was like, oh, well, where did this sense of powerlessness first originate? And you know what? It was when I was being molested laying on that bed by that family member, and I recognized I felt really powerless and really helpless and what did I need in that moment I just needed to say no and I just needed a voice mm-hmm. And at this time in my life like a lot of my family's members were just like oh just forget about it just talk to the person and like no that's not what I needed I needed a voice and I needed to say no and I needed to hold my boundaries right then and there now later on that could change But right now, what I needed to to get my power back was the ability just to say no and protect myself and protect my family. So that's what I mean by meditation. It doesn't have to be the Zen sit in a dark room for two hours, but sometimes it's just, you know, I call it consciously surrendering to the feelings. Because so many of us, especially in this time, Mick, we are so inundated with social media, it's hard to just sit and be quiet with how we feel. And we're not, especially men, are not even taught how to feel. Just rub some dirt on it, move on. You know, don't. You know, it's okay. Um, so it's really important that we start to explore these feelings, get intimate with these feelings, because that's when you get your power back. You know, now this doesn't have control over I me. Mean, now I'm not raging mom <laughs> for no reason. You know, I'm like, oh, I've got my, got my. I do have my power back. This person was had a lot of control over me and we don't want to give away our power. We want to take our power back. And the only way to do that is to really get intimate with your feelings and find out, you know, what's the root of this? How can I, how can I get my power back?
0: Thanks for all this, Terry. You know, there's so much in what you just shared. Uh, I have several questions about it. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Uh, The first one is this is not something that comes intuitively to people to go and actually spend time being with and feeling the feelings, right? Most of the time as human beings, we've, you know, we've developed a a way to protect ourselves from those really deep seated, uh, painful emotions like you're talking about. So how did you how did you learn this? Like, is there any, is there any science that you learn behind uh, going deep into that to experience it? Because again, most people, and to your point, especially men are yeah. trying to avoid that stuff at all costs.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I've done a lot of abandonment training. Um, a lot of um studied with a lot of, you know, I want to call them spiritual gurus. I don't consider myself a woo-woo person. I really don't. I feel like I'm like pretty Southern and pretty grounded and I'm just a simple country girl. (laughs) But, you know, I think we can use these tools to make ourselves better and feel more at peace. I think that's really the number one thing we're all looking for peace and just acceptance of ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the gifts that I give my clients is is a meditation app. I give them choices. I, I personally love Calm. They have a that's one of my favorites, I would say. And they've actually um started a whole new series within Calm, which I really love with a new guy whose whose name is Jeff. I call him my boyfriend Jeff because and fun. I wake up every morning, we meditate, but he's so grounded and he's so I just think he's just like, you know, you feel like he's your best buddy or he's your best friend and and he's just, I I like those meditations because they're very, um, I think anyone could really, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this big woo woo thing. I think it's just really, it just makes it relatable, you know? So I love calm. I love headspace. That's another one where they make meditation very friendly. My kids love the headspace too, because they have little cartoons that just make it, just make it manageable. People really overthink this and think it's something very woo-woo, but but it's really just getting in touch with our feelings and becoming aware. And the awareness is where the healing is. If I hadn't become aware of like how much self-loathing I was carrying, I would just continue to destroy relationships and marriages. That's what I see so many people do because you know once you've had one divorce the chance of you having another divorce if children are involved is 70%. Wow. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me because I'm remarried and I it, it I I would rather make a run over by that van again to be honest with you than become a stepmom again. That was the I thought you know the van was like yeah that's fine I'll just do all that because it's just so it it, it is just so much you know, so many personalities, so many emotions, you know, and as a stepmom, I had to know what my role is. And my husband had to become a stepfather and understand what his role is. And so it's, it's a balance. And listen, we have the, we have the greatest relationship. So I can't imagine if you've got high conflict exes and things like that. So it's, you have to bring your best into it. So that's why I love what I do because I help men become like a better version of themselves. So they can go in, you know, cause I'm really passionate about impacting that second divorce rate. You know, sometimes we can't help that first divorce, but I think like that should be your wake up call. Like before I enter into a new relationship, I really need to figure this out. Like dissect what went wrong. How can I bring a better version of myself into the world?
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you brought up another thing that I was thinking about asking you, too, is earlier you said that some of the things that you went through growing up and, you know, with uh, alcoholism and in your family and with the, you know, the abuse that you were talking about and everything and how that impacted your relationship and your first marriage. Mm -hmm. You sabotaged it, it sounds like. Definitely. So, so tell me how those things connect.
1: Okay. So I'll I'll use my client example, for example, because he's a you know he was in the restaurant business and he he came to me because he was separated yet again from his wife. Okay. This he had been separated several several times. I you know, he didn't give me the official number, but I got that this was a pretty pretty big cycle. And when we dug a little deeper what we recognized that his relationship with I believe that our our intimate partnerships are really just us trying to heal our parental relationships. So he came from when you know, an alcoholic background he had a had a father who was an alcoholic who would go off on benders for weeks. Mm-hmm. And so the mother would lavish him with the attention while the father was gone. And when the father would come back the the volatility, the conflict, the negativity all came back, and then he was you know emotionally the way he described it, though physically even he would leave the house for a long you know. You know how he's a young man trying to get away from a high conflict home. Sure. And that was a cycle. And I go, lo and behold, that's the same relationship he had with his, his, now it's his ex-wife. But at the time they were separated and she would do exactly the same thing. She'd separate from him, go off and like go live with boyfriends and then come back. And he would take her back. And this was like a repeated pattern. And so, you know, this was a, it was a really just um, a manifestation of his, his childhood because it was a dysfunctional relationship where she'd love bomb, give him all that attention, just like his mom did. So he craved that attention. And so the, the irony was to, to break that energetic pull was we did the unburdening and a lot of the forgiveness work with his mother, like letting go of that, that energetic tie with his mother, who was long dead, and, and he knew intellectually what this was, but just that little boy needed to break that tie. Yeah. And once yeah, he yeah. did that, he was able, he's moved on, he's divorced, he's happy now, he's got custody of his children. It's, it, it ended up being really, you know, really great. But we have to see how these patterns show up.
0: Do you have any theories as to how come people stay in those relationships for as long as they do that are, you know, dysfunctional like that and and are likely as a result of, uh, you know, uh, their parental relationships or past relationships?
1: There's a lot of fear and of course, if if you don't know any better, right? If that's it's if that's what you grew up as a child and that's what you experienced, those would be normal emotions. You don't know like, oh, a healthy relationship should be stable and loving and giving. So a lot of, a lot of, you know, people just need to understand that you don't have to stay in pain. And actually I was, we were talking about this very recently uh, with a client of mine, how sometimes it's comfortable to live in the pain, so to speak. Like it was more comfortable for me, Mick, to be when I was triggered or I was angry or I was like in in that negative space. It was more comfortable for me for years to live in that and be in that because it it almost offered me a wall of protection. I was safe in those negative emotions. It took me, it you know, the light bulb moment was when I didn't want to lose my, you know, now husband and like. I had to become very vulnerable because you become you have to like learn how to become vulnerable and trust other people, you know, because that was that was my aha moment was like, okay, I'm not going to screw up another marriage. I'm going to have to become vulnerable and shift my patterns and trust that this will work out. And it's hard for children of trauma to trust and to come out of that and feel vulnerable again. Again, it goes back to that. You are safe. You are OK. It's just a matter of like internalizing that, because for so many people, we, you know, I always say you can't heal internal problems with external solutions. And that's what so many people do. They're trying to use other people to make themselves feel good about themselves or, you know, they're using relationships to inflate, you know, their their sense of worthlessness, all those things. We're, yeah, a lot of us do that. I think more do it than not, really, honestly.
0: Yeah. I, I'm glad you said that too, Terry, is that it, it's it's very, very normal, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, oh, yeah. it might seem really weird for people hearing us talking about this, that it, it would be comfortable to uh, be in those really hurtful, painful, negative, even emotions and the experiences that are associated with them. But what I heard you say is that it's familiar, you know, Uh it's, uh, it's what, it's what we learned growing up and we don't know any better. It feels normal. It feels familiar. So we stick around with it.
1: Yeah, and so that's where we get we get tripped up. And so it's really important when I when I do have those clients that are going back into the dating arena, one of the one of the things that we talk about is because oftentimes your past trauma can trick you with the feelings, right? Yeah. And so um it's important that you don't get sucked into the feelings and you don't date based on feelings, but you 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 date based on does this person's words match their actions Mm. and I think people really get caught up in the feelings all right and so it's really important that sometimes again you want to have someone that makes you feel good about yourself I'm not saying not but sometimes people get so caught up in the feelings that they're they're dismissing the red flags that they're waving in front of their face you know that clearly so it's it's up to us to see those red flags and to to acknowledge it and say, okay, I see this. This is this is something that potentially I need to be watching out for.
0: Yeah, totally. So do you find, I know you work with a lot of people going through divorce. Do you find that there's, is there like a spectrum of how many people have experienced some sort of traumatic experience in life that uh, uh, impacts their relationship and ultimately ends in the divorce. Is it, is it everybody that has that trauma or is there, is there a range?
1: I definitely think the severity, you know, definitely, um, you know, can, can, just you know the spectrum is endless i think there are things that developmentally between the ages of five and seven can leave us with some definitely some some scars some wounds i sure. like to call yeah. them wounds because then we can heal those wounds and transform them yeah so we can so i, I in my yeah, but i don't know if that's because that's who i draw i tend to draw those people because i specialize in the abandonment training and sure, sure. you know coming from alcoholic you know background the majority of my clients have had um where they were impacted by alcoholism or th- my female clients in particular their ex-husbands are struggling with alcohol so in my experience, yes, but I, I can't say that that's as a whole. So, but the good news is, is that it's, it's totally treatable. It's totally, you can get yourself to a whole new level. One of one of the areas that I see particularly with men is the, the, the nice guys. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy. And it sounds like, and I think to many women in particular, like, Um, that this would be like, oh, it's like anti-woman. It's actually not. It's very (laughs) pro-male, but in a good way. I think that this this is one of the areas where I show men, like, look, if you want a strong, confident, healthy woman, you've got to become a strong, healthy, confident man. A lot, when we, so let me define what a nice guy is. A nice guy is the guy that, you know, is always in the friend zone, it doesn't have good boundaries, mm-hmm. struggles with male relationships is, is more, you know, comfortable with women than in with other men. So it's I I love working with those guys to see them take back their power. And it and it manifests, especially in their intimate relationships and professionally, because they go from from being, you know, oh, pleasing everyone to like really becoming a true leader. Because a true leader can't be afraid to say no, and a true leader can't be afraid to stand up for what he believes in and to put up boundaries and to delegate. So I, I really like working with those guys, and a lot of them have dysfunctional family relationships. I mean, it's, they tend to have really volatile dads and emotionally distant
0: moms. Okay. okay. Just in general. Yeah. Interesting. And you, you work with a lot of men, right?
1: I do. I do. I I started out. Okay. So my story is I started out only working with women and I did have some grief coaches who said to me, you know, (laughs) you know, men need help too, but I stuck with that women thing for a long time and what happened was I started opening when we were doing in-person meetings, I'd have support groups for women. And I said, well, let me just, let me just see what happens if we open this up to just an all men, it's separate. But I was like, let me just see if any men will come. Holy moly. <laughs> so like I, I was telling you like the biggest like aha moment, if you provide a safe, you know, Place for men, a safe platform for men to share. They will open up, and 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 they really need support, and they need a safe place to share, to bond, to to know that they're not the only ones that are going through this. Because we were talking about how you know it's not okay for men to share their feelings at work. It's not okay, and in some instances, I've had men say to me, "I can't even tell my my buddy." because he kind of just shrugs it off, he becomes uncomfortable with the emotion, yeah. I can't even talk about my divorce with my best friend, and so that was the, like, someone asked, someone asked me one time, it was a woman, do men even talk at those meetings, I was like, oh my god, I can't get them to shut up, like, <laughs> I had to, like, rein it in, rein it in, we got it, we, we're on a time limit, gentlemen, so, I mean, once they open up, it's, the floodgates are there. We just have to have more safe platforms for men to share and let them know it is okay. It's a, emotions don't make you weak. We have to keep like that needs to be the message. Having emotions, expressing emotions, it doesn't make you weak. It just makes you stronger.
0: I 100% agree with that. And so, so tell tell the audience if there's any guys out there that uh, it might be useful to have a platform like this to share and be supported. Where should they go?
1: Yeah, you can come to. I have a Facebook group called Rise Above Divorce uh, for men. You know, I have a separate one for men and a separate one for women. Best thing I ever did. It's just, I mean, they just. I am honored that I get to be a witness to to the men and how they support and encourage each other. That was like amazing for me to see the brotherhood. I mean, just immediate brother. They don't know each other, but they are there for each other. And so it's it's really been amazing to witness the support, the encouragement the the helping hands, they're they're so generous with their time and energy and love and support. So I love that. So rise above divorce, you know, I'm on meetup, but you know, we're not meeting in person. So we're on Facebook. So that's probably the best place to get us.
0: That's awesome. How many guys are a part of the community?
1: Two thousand right now.
0: Oh wow that's that's amazing Terry. That's great.
1: (laughs) But it grow it grows a lot. Like it's been since COVID it like went through the roof. So yeah. And I will say this, Mick, we're pretty, we don't let any Joe Schmo in. We're very, you know, we're very, we'd rather have quality over quantity. You know, we're there to support and encourage, and it's about uplifting each other. We're not there to woman bash and to, you know, denigrate each other. You know, we're there to uplift and to be a support for one another. So yeah.
0: That's really awesome, Terry. And it's such a great time for it, too, right? During this pandemic, I know that there's been an increase of domestic violence. There's been an increase of uh, uh, suicide. There's been an increase of divorces and relationship issues. So I really appreciate you offering a really powerful resource for uh, especially men and, uh, of course, for women, too. So thanks for that.
1: Absolutely, and I would I would encourage anyone to reach out, if not my groups, any groups where you can get support because you are not alone. I think that's like what we were talking about before. you might be feeling hopeless, it's not hopeless. So come and see other people who've been through it, who've come out the other side and will help you get through it. Yeah, it's absolutely get the support, reach out. I think too many men are in isolation. They don't feel like they can reach out. There's no outlet. So that's one of the benefits, you know, social media as a a teacher, for me, it's like kind of a blessing and curse because I do think it's a distraction from healing in a lot of aspects. But on the other hand, it's also a great platform for healing. So, you know, managing it appropriately, but definitely reach out, get support know that you're not alone and that there's help out there for sure. I think that so many people don't really recognize too how devastating divorce is. I mean, divorce not only impacts like your marriage. I mean, you, sh- you know, especially particularly for men lose, lose kids or lose time with their kids. Yeah. At home, uh, you know, financially it's it's just devastating. So the levels of stress is is compounded when you're going through divorce because you've got the stress of the known and the stress of the unknowns, right? I don't know like where I'm gonna be living in six months. I don't know what my finances are going to look like. I don't know if I'm gonna see my kids again. So the stress is unimaginable. And you know, they've even some of us divorce professionals have advocated like there's more stages of grief. There's seven stages of grief when you're going through divorce. So it. I don't think people, and, you know, we were talking about HR and, and companies, like they don't understand how this really can be devastating for people. So that that's another thing is just to raise the awareness that this isn't just like a breakup. This is a life altering event, you know, second only behind death.
0: That's, that's really great. Uh, it's, it's really great for uh, leaders and businesses to be aware of for their people, but also for the workers out there, right, that are dealing with this kind of stuff, you know, relationship problems and the the possibility of separation or divorce. It is impacting your work, right? And yes. when mm-hmm. things are impacting your work, that causes stress in in multiple different areas. So I'm really glad that you brought that up, Terry. Thank you.
1: And so many men's identity is wrapped around work, so, so then, so they're losing their identity as, as a, as a husband and as a father, and then they're struggling at work. So they, I mean, it, it's the amount of stress that, that so many men are under. I, you know, again, if we can just have some more compassionate understanding. And so that's a, that's a big part of what I do is educating people and bringing awareness. This is not just the like, oh, get over it kind of a thing. Like I think so many people, I mean, I got that. I remember going through my divorce. Uh, I think that's one thing that's different for women than for men. for women, they lose a lot of their friendships because there seems to be something taboo about the divorcee, you know, like she's going to steal your man or something, you know, from the old 50s, 60s movies. Right. And that still kind of is taboo for many women. They tend to lose most of their married female friends and their husbands. And, but for men, they just, they just become more isolated. Mm. So we definitely need to spread the awareness and like this talk about it openly.
0: Yeah. And when you were going through your divorce, I know that you had mentioned that it it got pretty horrendous, right? Like you were, you were sleeping in at a, a stranger's house because you didn't have anywhere to go. You were in financial distress. Mm. Uh, you, you were, you were going through some stuff, right? Oh so yeah. One, what was the point when you knew that you had to go and get some outside help?
1: I, when, when it affected my, work you know when it was like a crying uncontrollably and i couldn't function that's when i reached out for help when it was just uncontrollable crying and you know at at some point you 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 do and hopefully again i wish i hadn't waited that long because i got to the point where you know Needed medication even just to to function, and that's that's another thing I want to try to to reach people before it gets to that level of despair. To like, hey, there's some holistic things that you can do. Here's some self care activities. Here's some way of thinking in a way so that you're not in that negative mindset that's going to lead you down to depression and stuff like that. So yeah, so that that. Yeah. So hopefully it doesn't get to that point where you're like being threatened with termination because you can't function, you know?
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. So when you went and sought out help, was it somebody that does the work that you do now? Was it somebody who does uh, grief counseling and and, um, uh, divorce strategy work like you do or what led I you? did
1: not even know what a divorce coach was, yeah. you know, I really didn't, I wouldn't have told, I could, I'd be totally honest with you that. And so that's why I think it's very important that I try to spread the message uh-huh. that there are people that you know, cause I only specialize in, you know, divorce and, in, in blended families, people that are impacted by divorce. Um, and yes, I use therapy and a doctor and, you know, amazingly, it was, um, a Jack Canfield book. I think that was life changing for me. I, are you, do you like Jack Canfield?
0: Yeah, yeah totally.
1: I, you know, it was just like, oh, you know, he, he had that success guide where I knew I needed to change my life. I was very unhappy. And so he get, you know, that Jack Canfield success guide was really amazing because he gives you lots of tools in there examine your life take accountability for the mistakes you've made learn from it grow from it you know develop a plan for your next chapter all that good stuff so no so there was no one like me that's why I would like tell people I've been there I've done it I understand how you feel and here's what you need because I've been in the trenches I've done I made the mistakes that everybody makes and if you had told me then Mick that I'd be sitting there celebrating my ex-husband and buying him beer and we'd be going out for birthday celebrations. And I would have looked at you like you had three heads, but I I know, but it's, it's totally possible. It's, it's so much more possible than people think, you know, and I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying it's possible in every circumstance. I know in some circumstances, it's, it's, it's healthier to have healthy boundaries and not have a relationship with an ex. I get that. I'm not saying that, but I think it's more possible than most people imagine that you can be, you know, friendly, if not respectful and just have a good co-parenting relationship. It's totally possible.
0: That's awesome. Do you have, what other resources do you have for, uh, to, to share with people?
1: Yeah, um, I do workshops every month. Uh, one that that is coming up in February is the the healing abandonment issues, and then I think we're going to have to do letting go. I think men in particular have a harder time letting go than women, but I don't think it's. I think what happens is you know, seventy five percent of the time women file for divorce. So what I think really happens is that that women have kind of done a lot of the work pre-divorce. They've done a lot of the emotional like grieving and going through the seven stages of grief prior to filing or a lot of it. So they're more ready to move on. And for men in particular, I think they kind of feel like, whoa, this came out of the blue. I didn't know it was this bad. I didn't kind of like recognize how bad it was. So um, so I do a lot of workshops. We have a, a workshop a month. I'm going to be doing a men's group this spring where we're going to do a, a men's coaching group. So we're going to be doing that. So if they join the Facebook group, there's going to be all the information for that or reach out on Facebook or, you know, the website on the podcast. I do have a, a free surviving divorce guide on, you know, choosing to rise dot com easy to remember because of my <laughs> Southern accent. Everyone makes fun of me. Um, so choosing to would be another area where you can look for information as well.
0: Awesome. Oh. Very good. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so that last thing that you just said was really interesting about how, you know, sometimes the guys are like, well, this came out of the blue. I didn't, I didn't realize anything was wrong. Do you do anything to support men in relationships that are not necessarily going through divorce yet or have yes. any resources for them to like check in and and maybe communicate better or get in touch with their own feelings or their their spouse's feelings a little bit better so that they can kind of dial that in
1: absolutely i love it when people come to me the sooner the better i think you know those of us that work in the relationship field one of the mistakes that people make is they wait six years too long to get help when a relationship is struggling. And by the time they reach out, the resentment, which is the number one relationship killer, yeah. is so, you know, so high and the the feelings are just so tight, you can't get past it. And the trust is devolved that people can't make it work. So the sooner you start struggling, the better, you know, so yeah, I I actually love it when I get to, you know, save a marriage because a, a lot of it is just the, the filter that we have, you know, our own issues that we're projecting onto our partner. We're expecting them to make us happy, or we have a partner that's expecting you to make happy. And so a communication, the way we communicate, absolutely. Yes. If you're struggling and you're considering divorce, sooner is better. I love, I love it when people come to me and they're in the I'm thinking about it but i want to make sure i i wish i weren't their last dish effort <laughs> like i was like i wish i had been your first effort because you would be so much further along but better late than ever so yes if you're thinking about it or your relationship is struggling i love saving those marriages i love it you are so happy and so at peace
0: yeah, and, and, and through look, I've been married for a long time. I've been married for 22 years, and I wow. can I can tell you, it's uh, there have been major struggles, and you know sometimes there still are, right? Like my wife and I have been through a lot of work, and um, you know it's not perfect, obviously, but. Nonetheless, we've been around for a long time with each other, you know, and I can I can say that doing this type of work is 100 percent necessary. So I'm I'm really thankful that you are out in the world, Terry, doing what you do for for folks and especially men. And, you know, I'm, I'm just pumped to be able to uh, uh, send a whole bunch of people your way so that they can get the help that they need. So thank
1: you. Well, congratulations, Mick. And, and I think you're right. I think marriage does have its challenges. Yeah. And, and one of the mistakes that I think people make in a marriage, and, and probably because you're in the personal growth field like I am, is like, instead of blaming your partner, Go within, like, what what am I doing? What am I bringing to this? Where can I take accountability and change my patterns?
0: I think that's the best advice ever right there is like, (laughs) we, we always have to take a look at our side of the street first. Uh, not that there's nothing to clean up over there on their side of the street, but if we're not if we're not willing to take responsibility for our own, then we're never going to have the relationship that we that we really want to have. Even if we don't know that we want to have it that way, right? At the end of the day, we always we everybody just wants to be happy, and these are these are kind of basic skills to be able to make that happen. So, yeah, thanks for all of that. So, with in wrapping up here, Terry, if there was one nugget, you know, one one powerful thing that you would leave with the audience, what would that be?
1: Gosh, I think, I think really, Mick, what we just were talking about, about accepting responsibility for your own happiness and understanding that life is going to bring you challenges and people that are going to, going to help you to know where you need to, to grow and to heal and by taking responsibility for your own happiness and not relying on outside circumstances you can be at peace no matter what's going on around you and like you said reach out get the support work on yourself and i think that's the when people come to me and like oh how do i win my wife back you know the best way is like to work on yourself become the best version of yourself and she'll either recognize that And like, wow, be attracted to that or, you know, you guys will move on and and you'll be a better version of yourself and find a better, um, a more suitable partner. So definitely taking a responsibility for your own healing and becoming the best version of yourself. Definitely.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much. Awesome. So, okay, I'm here signing off with Terry Vanover, uh, a divorce strategist extraordinaire relationship. Guru out in the world. Terry, one last time, let everybody know the name of your website and your uh, group on Facebook.
1: Yeah, choosingtorise.com. You can get your seven tips for surviving divorce guide, would be where I'd start. And then we have a support group, Rise Above Divorce for Men. Find us on Facebook or Meetup or anywhere, social media. So Thanks for having me, Mick. This was a
0: pleasure. Oh, perfect. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you. And I know the audience is going to get some real value from this. So Terry, thanks again. And to everybody out there, this is Mick Carbo, your host, Tragedy to Triumph podcast, and we'll see you again next week. It's our hope that this story makes a difference for another person. If it helps one person, we believe we've done our work. Consider telling a friend about this podcast, you might just make a difference for them too. Accomplishment Coaching, the world's finest coaches training program. I owe much of the man I am today to the work I've done and the relationships I've built in this community. For anybody out there who wants to start a career as a coach or enhance their skills as a coach, look no further. Transform your life and set yourself up to the win in your coaching business at the same time. Find out more at accomplishmentcoaching.com.